Hello there, my friends. It's your buddy Phil, project management trainer and coach. Today, we're going to be talking about Agile. I love the Agile Alliance roadmap that shows you lots of terms. In fact, it's called the Agile Subway Map. The Agile Subway Map can be found on the Agile Alliance website. But we're going to talk about a smattering of terms. Some of these could be very helpful in your ACP exam and your PMP exam. So we're going to start off on the yellow line. Now, if you've ever been to the UK, you know where this is from. It looks very similar to the London Underground. But I know we have other subway systems in the world. It just reminds me so much of the London Underground. But let's start off on the yellow line. And we call this the circle line in the UK. It starts off with the project charter. The project charter is a very important document in the world of the PMI. In fact, no charter, no project. And the Agile Alliance say the team develops and maintains a high-level summary of the project's key success factors, synthetic enough that it can be displayed on one wall of the team room as a flip chart size sheet of paper. Now, in the world of the PMI, we may define a project charter differently, but the bottom line is it puts everyone on the same page. If you're taking the PMP exam or the ACP exam, the bottom line is no charter, no project. The next term is sustainable pace. Now, if you've read the Agile Manifesto, you know that the team and the business people must maintain a constant pace indefinitely. Constant pace does not mean fast pace. Constant pace needs to be sustainable. So it reads, the team aims for a work pace that they would be able to sustain indefinitely. This entails a firm refusal of what is often considered a necessary evil in the software industry, long work hours, overtime, or even working nights or weekends. You know how that goes. The next one here is a scrum of scrums. If you haven't taken a look in your Agile practice guide at the scrum of scrums, you should. The scrum of scrums is a scaling technique. It's a technique to scale scrum up to large groups of over a dozen people consisting of dividing the groups into Agile teams of five to ten. Each daily scrum within a sub-team ends by designating one member as ambassador to participate in a daily meeting with ambassadors from other teams. And it's called a scrum of scrums. It's got a great visual in the Agile practice guide. So imagine a team of, let's say, five or six, and you have one ambassador from that team meeting up with another ambassador from another team and another ambassador from another team. And you end up having different pods scaling up so that instead of bringing 30, 40 people together, it boils down to having three people meet for a scrum of scrum of scrums. And you could scale that up as much as you like. I think this is a brilliant technique that should be used even beyond the agile industry. The next term we're going to talk about is pair programming. Pair programming consists of two programmers sharing a single workstation, one screen, one keyboard, one mouse, among the pair. The program at the keyboard is usually called a driver and the other is also actively involved in the programming task but focusing more on overall direction. We call that person the navigator. So pair programming, more simply known as pairing, the phrases paired programming and programming in pairs are also used frequently. The next term we're going to talk about is team room. Team room refers to a dedicated space for the team. This is the team's haven. Think of it like that. The team, ideally the whole team, including the product owner or domain expert, has the use of a dedicated space for the duration of the project. 
set apart from other group activities. This space is furnished with the various amenities that the teams may need, workstations adapted for pairing if the team uses that practice, whiteboards and flip charts, wall space to display task boards, project plans or other charts. Next on the yellow line, we'll talk about the retrospective. It's referred to here as heartbeat retrospective. And the reason is it adheres to the rhythm of the iterations. Roy and I often refer to this as Agile Vegas. In other words, whatever happens in Vegas stays there. Whatever happens in the retrospective should stay there. It's a facilitated meeting following a set format. Several distinct formats have been described depending in large part on the time set aside for the meeting, typically between one and three hours. One important reason to use a facilitated format is to give all team members an opportunity to speak up. The term retrospective, popularized by Norm Keith, has gained favor in the Agile community over better-known ones such as debriefing or postmortem for its more positive connotations. This is also known as the sprint retrospective or iteration retrospective, often abbreviated as sprint retro. The term reflection workshop from Alistair Coburn is encountered less often, though it appears to have influenced the Agile Manifesto's wording of the corresponding principle. A retrospective is intended to reveal facts or feelings which have measurable effects on the team's performance and to construct ideas. And as you know, where feelings are involved, we need to tread carefully. And that is why we tend to be more secluded about the retrospective. It's not open to everyone. It is very different from a lessons learned session where we open up a lessons learned to several individuals from the firm or associated firms and organizations. In the retrospective, as much as possible, we try to keep what we're talking about close to the vest. In some instances, we could have other people, other entities from outside the team, by invitation, attend the retrospective. An effective retrospective will normally result in decisions leading to action items. It's a mistake to have too few or too many. One or two improvement ideas per duration may be well enough. Identical issues coming up each retrospective without measurable improvement over time signals that the retrospective has just become an empty ritual. Still on the yellow line, next we have the word facilitation. Who is a facilitator? A facilitator is a person who chooses or is given the explicit role of conducting a meeting. This role usually entails that the facilitator will take little part in the discussions on the meeting's topic but will focus primarily on creating the conditions for effective group process in the pursuit of the objectives for which the meeting was convened. Facilitation is a specialization of its own, the details of which go well beyond agile practices. A good introduction is a material provided by the International Association of Facilitators. Now, having facilitated a number of meetings, a number of engagements, I can tell you one of the best traits of a facilitator is one who is sensitive to those in the room, and one who is observant to note those who are not speaking enough and to ask the right questions to bring people in at the right time in the right way. Still on the yellow line, we have one more thing to talk about, and that is by far the most important for today. It is team. Now, when we say team, 
There are many different connotations for this word. By team, we could be referring to the scrum team in a world of scrum, or even in a world of kanban, we could be referring to all the team. So, it is important to ask the question: Are we talking about all the team members? Are we talking about a subsection of the team? A team, in the agile sense, is a small group of people. Assigned to the same project or effort, nearly all of them on a full-time basis, a small minority of team members may be part-time contributors or may have competing responsibilities. The notion of team entails shared accountability, good or bad. The outcomes should be attributed to the entire team rather than to any individual. The team is expected to possess all of the necessary competencies. Remember, we use the word T-shaped, T-shaped skills, broken comb, paint drip. So the team is expected to possess all of the necessary competencies, whether technical or business. Roles and responsibilities do not matter as much as results. A developer may test performance analysis or think about requirements. An analyst or domain expert can suggest ideas about implementation and so on. So the bottom line is T-shaped skills. Another key one is self-organizing, self-led, self-managed team. The most elementary error is to equate group and team to think that a team results automatically from having people work together. A team should have at least three people. Two is a pair. We look for three in the world of agile, three to nine. A single person may be a contributor. To more than one project simultaneously, but is highly unlikely that they will consider themselves as belonging to more than one team at the same time. So, team is really big when it comes to the world of agile. And for your exam, you will be tested pretty heavily on the concept of team, how to engage the team, how to support the team, how to build the team, and topics like that. And that concludes our first episode. Of the Agile Subway, I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to hit like, subscribe, share with your friends, and in subsequent episodes, we'll cover the pink line, the red line, the green line, the purple line, the turquoise line, the cream line, and the orange line. See you there.